Hello, beautiful soul fam. I am your host of Ceremony Circle, shaman and author, Allison Charles, and I'm just going to get right into this one because I am officially welcoming you to one of the most incredible interviews I have ever had the good fortune of conducting, and that really is saying a lot because uh, for those of you who are new to my work, um, we'll let you know that before I had my spiritual awakening, I was actually a radio and television host for many years, so I've conducted thousands of interviews at this point, and this one today is something very special. The story goes, I was in my very last few days of living in LA, and I could just tell there was supposed to be one last in-person interview that I was to do before moving to Texas, and then I was reminded of a Native American healer named Eagle Woman, and I knew that that was it. So before I did the interview, I wanted to experience her work firsthand, and wow, she is truly a highest vision operator. Her work really empowers and assists you in lifting up out of any debilitating or stuck cycles, patterns, fears, etc. And don't worry, we dive very deeply into my session with her and her specific style of work in this episode. But she is someone I am truly so very honored to have reconnected back with this lifetime to call a trusted teacher, colleague, and friend. And what was extra beautiful around the space we shared together is how deeply she and I felt such a sister synergy and energy between us. So why? Why is this interview so special? Why was my work with her so truly powerful and life-changing? Well, I can whittle it down to this. It was truly a shamanic initiation for me, a beyond words, deep shamanic initiation for me that is, you know, a culmination of many years of intense commitment to this path. Uh, it has all led me to my time in connecting with her. And I will just say that for me, as a shaman who has really courageously and bravely completely lived by the calls and put myself out there to honor the calls that I am given, and to do it in such a devoted, integrity-filled way for me to be so fully seen, felt, and honored by Eagle Woman, it, it's really changed my life. And I do get emotional about all of that in the interview. So I do want to let you know this episode has huge monumental medicine in it. And I'm letting you know that now so that if you feel you should create a certain type of sacred space before listening to this episode, then please honor that, listen to that. And out of respect for this sharing, please do create that sacred space. Because I can tell you, even when I listen back to this episode, every other minute or two, my entire body would get massive surges of huge medicine, chills, zaps, and energy this interview is truly embodied with other level new paradigm birthing medicine. And if you've been listening since episode one, you know that I strongly suggest you clear and create a sacred space while listening to Ceremony Circle so you can be fully aware 
of any awakening moments and fully receive with honor the energies and transmissions and blessings making their way to you. So I just want to remind you again today, for those of you who live with sacredness and reverence of the spiritual path and work at your core, you can definitely take it to the next level by tuning in to what space would best serve you in listening to this interview. And you can also wear a shawl or scarf over your shoulders to honor Eagle Woman's native customs and traditions. And you can also have a bit of ceremonial tobacco with you as an offering. Okay, so a few more specifics about today's mystical voyage. We talk about medicine names. Now, Eagle Woman was given her name through earth-based traditional lineage ways. For her, it was through the Blackfoot Native American tradition. So she shares how that process worked, how the ceremony went, and who bestowed this name upon her, what the name Eagle Woman means. And it was really beautiful for me to hear how in earth-based lineage traditions, names are given because... Those of you who are familiar with my work, you know that my shamanic path uh, does not adhere to specific earth-based traditions, but rather the name Rock Star Shaman represents my connection down into Rock, Great Mother Earth, and up to Star, Source, Consciousness, Field, Divine, Great Spirit. And so my name was given to me by Source very early on after my awakening, Rock Star Shaman. And answering the call to use that name has definitely been a voyage for me. So we both chat about the incredible divine power and expansion that is conjured and brought into one's life after being given a medicine name and what it feels like to live into that name you're given. We talk about when you massively up-level how certain foods, habits, drinks are just kicked out of your existence. She shares why some of her family members wept out of nervousness when her calling as a shaman revealed. One of my favorite parts about today's episode is how she and I go into great detail about the massive responsibility and impeccability that comes with being a shaman and the vitalness of carrying it with integrity and honor the way we both do. Why it's extra important for shamans and healers to be honest with themselves and hold themselves to truth, awareness, accountability, especially now as the planet and so many more humans are awakening. She'll share about what having a session with her is like and why some call her the doctor of the soul or a spiritual electrician. Her high-level experience and view when it comes to calling oneself a healer or shaman and why it does not matter where you were born or where you live or your nationality, but what matters is you'll have to listen to the episode and fill in that blank. She shares examples of cases of what can happen when you utilize plant medicine with shamans who are not embodied with integrity, what to look for and look out for when deciding to work in shamanic ways, some of the most memorable and profound ceremonial experiences she's had, the purpose of offering ceremonial tobacco, a story of preparing someone to transition smoothly at death and what power animal can assist with that, her recommendations for how to do a proper home and space clearing. And she shares a wildly intriguing spirit-based story of an encounter she had when doing a home cleansing. And another fun, unique aspect of today's episode is I asked you all on Instagram 
So for those of you who follow me there at I am Allison Charles, you saw me ask over a couple of days if you had any questions for Eagle Woman to share them with me there. And your question may be selected to be answered by her in this episode. So thank you. We had so many submissions of beautiful, thoughtful questions. And at Duladrea, at Infinite Succulent, at Happy Being Hannah, at Dr. Hope DC, and at Striving for Zen NYC, I am thrilled to share that your questions were personally answered by Eagle Woman today. And last but certainly not least, as with every single episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast, we end with a very powerful ceremonial offering. Today, Eagle Woman is bringing us the Eagle Breath Medicine. I can assure you, you will leave today's episode being able to see your life from highest vision and perspective. It is all about honor respect and integrity as these are the medicine ways. So enter now to this very powerful ceremony circle and in Eagle Woman's words, forget what you know and remember what you forget. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. Mm, It's my honor. I'm excited. I'm happy to be here with you. I'm excited too. My heart feels really, really open. And I want to start actually with your name, Eagle Woman, because I know there's so much medicine and power in a name. And when I first heard of you and a colleague of mine said, oh, I really feel like you would resonate with this woman that I just had a session with. Her name is Eagle Woman. I instantly (laughs) said yes. (laughs) So I would love for you to share a little bit about the medicine and the power of a name and how you got the name Eagle Woman bestowed to you. Yes. It is an honor and privilege to carry a medicine name. And um, when I was about, I'd say, 32, not too long ago, (laughs) (laughs) no, We have some dear friends that are of the Blackfoot Nation, and uh, Willie Big Bull and his wife Ona um, we're very close to. They're like our brother and sister. My husband is actually part Blackfoot, and so it's like our extended family, truly. So one day he calls and says, Elsa, the medicine woman, she dreamt you. You and your sister-in-law, Lily, you need to come and receive your name. I said, oh my goodness, I'm going to get my name. You need to come. And mind you, this is Brockett, Canada that we're going to be traveling to. So my sister, I called her up and I said, we're going to go get our names. We're going to get our spirit names, our medicine names. And she's like, really? Okay. Well, so we packed it up. We got on the plane and we went on the reservation, Brockett, you know, Canada, and they had everything set up in the traditional ways. They had the teepees out. They had everything of the traditions. And we were brought there to teach because I'm a martial artist. My sister, uh, Lily, she's a martial artist, um, champion, kickboxer, boxer. So they wanted us to come and share our skills with the women. I love that. To do some sort of a a workout, you know, self-defense. And then also to receive our name. So we get there and 
as I said, the drive there was a, a long drive to get on the reservation to get there. When we did arrive, they had everything like teepees set up. So they showed us, well, this is where you're going to be staying. Mm. And it was a beautiful teepee. The only thing is we're city folk, you know, we come with two suitcases apiece. And I remember we went inside the teepee and Lily says, where am I going to hang up my clothes? There's nothing to hang up my clothes here for with. And we laughed about it. So Willie Big Bull came in and he put like this wire across and he said, here, here's your closet. How sweet. <laughs> I love that. And then, of course, the fire in the center and everything was just made, you know, brought to us in our tradition so we could go back to the way the ancestors lived on the land. And the next day, when, while we were there, we sat outside and these long tables were put out and the women making the food. We gathered berries and we took nature walks, you know, spirit walks, we call them. And so it came the time when we were going to receive our names. And Elsa, the medicine woman on the Blackfoot Reservation, she's a tiny lady, like 5'4", just a tiny and she called us forth, and we, in ceremony, you enter the circle and you dress in your regalia. They dressed us, both of us. So they dressed, they braided our hairs, we got in our traditional regalias. And so then we enter the circle with Willie Big Bull, who he is a chief medicine man, you know, also. So he brought us in the circle and with another chief and with the tribe, you know, the Blackfoot tribe. So there we go, we walk in the circle and then we get right in the center and Willie speaks in the language of Blackfoot and announces us and says, Sarah and Lily are going to receive their name today. So we had an audience, you know, the tribal council was there. And this is so exciting. <laughs> You're painting such a beautiful picture. I feel okay. like I'm there. <laughs> and so everyone came out to see, you know, what the names or to see how the ceremony. And mind you, we had no idea what our names would be. No idea. And so the time came when I was put in the circle first and Elsa, tiny lady, put her hand right in the center of my back. And she spoke in Blackfoot and announced what my name would be. Bitake, Bitake in the Blackfoot language. And so I was excited because I said, oh my goodness, I can't wait till Willie translates what the name is. And so she blessed us. She blessed and she anointed, and then all of a sudden she just, I could just, she, I felt her hand on my back, and it felt like it was so strong, the power that she transferred onto me. And when she just pushed me just a little, I went. It seems like I was flying right into, you know, out the outside of the circle. I thought, oh my God, this power, that was so powerful. I turned around to see maybe it was Willie pushing me because she had such power in her beingness. And so I looked at Willie and he looked at me and he said, okay, your name is Eagle Woman. 
Bitake. I said, oh my goodness. I, I was crying. I was like, that is a powerful name. And in ceremony, you also receive your eagle feather. Mm. So she presented myself with an eagle feather. It was time for my sister, Lily, to get her name. And she's a stocky woman. You know, she's a boxer. And so she's um, built pretty stocky. And I whispered to her, wait till she puts your, her hand on your back. You're going to go flying. And she said, no, I'm not. You know, she's a little bit skeptical, you know. And she said, I'm not. She's not going to push me. And I said, okay, you'll see. <laughs> so then Elsa received her in, put her hand on her back, blessed her and anointed her, and gave her her name, Many Buffalo Stones Woman. Mm. That's my sister-in-law's name. So she did the same, the ceremony. She put her hand on her back, and there it was, the power that this little lady, this little woman had. Boom, she just touched her, and I, uh, I swear she went <laughs> as if she was flying Surprise. forward. Yes, right. and she was shocked, too. She turned to look like to say, oh, who was that? And when she saw it was Elsa, her face turned red, and she came over to me. She said, wow, that was really strong. I said, well, that's what happens when you receive your name. It's transferred. You know, the power is so strong. She said, oh, my goodness. So then we danced around the circle. My sister-in-law and Elsa, she, Elsa led, and we danced, you know, all around the circle four times. And it's an honoring you know, circle, we had our eagle feathers in our hand. And then uh, after that, we had a feast. They mm. had food for us and dancing. And Beautiful story. celebration. Yes, storytelling. So I asked Willie, well, what does eagle woman mean? And she, he said, you're the messenger of creator. So you bring in the messages you bring in from behind the great sun, you meet with the ancestors, the elders, with a council of elders, you know, the divine. And then you bring back the medicine to the people. And wow. you bring back the healing to the people. And I said, well, how did she come up with that? How did she come up with the name? And she said, she dreamt you. She saw you in a dream. And when she saw you, she said, Willie, you need to call upon this woman, and you need to call upon this woman, meaning my sister-in-law. And she said, they need to come and receive their medicines. And from that day forth, my life changed. It just felt the power that was in me to receive the name Eagle Woman is such a powerful name. And my sister-in-law, many Buffalo Stones woman, that means the provider mm -hmm. of the family. She provides and brings abundance. So it was so phenomenal just to be able to experience, you know, the, the power. Absolutely. And so what uh, did you notice occurring for you? Because I will get to the part where you can explain how at a young, very young age, you mm. were already seeing and yes. being in, in touch with your gifts. So I'm guessing, you know, in your, in your 30s, you're already aware, perhaps you're even a practicing healer. Were you at that point? At that point, I was seeing, I was feeling, I was hands-on doing hands-on healing. 
but I wasn't really taking it out so much to the public. I would just do it with my family members and friends, and you know, I would prophesize about certain events or happenings, and so I was recognized in my family. And you know, being of because uh, I do hold the lineage of Apache Cherokee on my mother's side, so we've got a strong line, um, a lineage of medicine people, and so. I would be considered fourth generation on my mother's side of a healer. Got it. So And so when you were then given this beautiful, powerful name, did you start to feel the shifts inside of you pretty quickly? And how did you start to feel that medicine of the power of the name starting to work with your own gifts and your pathway? Well, we stayed on the reservation for, I'd say, five days after. So we, to acclimate to the, our names, and we continued doing ceremony and just learning the ways, you know, walking the land, learning the ways, being taught the ways of their nation, you know, the Blackfoot ways. And then when we were starting to get on the plane, I started to feel as if something was shifting, something was different. And I knew that I wasn't the same as I was when I left home. Something was definitely stronger in me. And my sister-in-law, Lily, she felt the same. She had a little bit more fear around what she was experiencing. Me, I was just like, yes, this is amazing, you know. And not just the confirmation that you're, when a medicine person sees who you are, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, that's amazing, you know, to carry that. So when we did get home, I have a husband and a daughter and things just started changing in the way that I saw, you know, family, how I saw the world, how I saw, and I just felt like it was, the medicine was building inside of me stronger as this you know, see her as this medicine woman. It was just starting to to develop. It was starting to get stronger with each day. And I remember before, I used to have a little glass of wine. And so I tested to see if that was still available to me. I took a sip and I almost threw up because it was like, no. And I used to eat, you know, maybe a little bit too much sweets at the time. So I tested that to see if my I can take that in. No, it was taken. So certain habits that I had, like certain foods that I would eat, they didn't resonate. And then I started to get sick when I would eat chicken or, or red meat. And I thought, this is interesting. The medicine is kicking this out of my system. Right. So it's something's happening here. So I became a vegan, you know, probably when I was about 33, I started to become more eating more plant, you know, and, and vegetables and just, you know, all of that, but it's shifted for me. And I thought this is interesting because certain foods I would take it in and it was like kicked out. Right. I know <laughs> I, I can relate to, you know, when you up level and ascend and are committed to the evolutionary path when things are no longer a frequency or vibrational match it's very yes, clear <laughs> that's true and it's just it was being kicked out it was like you know i knew that i was now walking the medicine path 
Yes. But it was now integrated and my whole life changed. Well, I can attest it was so powerful working with you. Thank you. Truly. And I say that with total honesty and I do not say things like that lightly. I just, if you recall at the end of the session, you know, you said, how are, how are you feeling? And the first word that came to me was just elated. There was just, you hold just such safe, powerful space. And I'll, I'll get more into, you know, my, my particular time, because I do feel called to share about my session with you. I feel like it would be of service um, to share a few parts of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) with the listeners. But before we get to that, the last thing I'm curious about with the naming, because I I saw when I was doing a little bit of research that that's now something that you do for others at times as you present names to other people. And so how would that work? If, If someone listening right now, there's something really deep and ancient resonating for them as they're hearing you sharing about this experience that you had, and there's that deep rumbling in their soul of, I feel like this is for me somehow. How does that process start to organically unfold if someone feels like they want to hopefully have this experience of having a name given to them? Mm-hmm. Well, I have been given permission by the elders, the council, by the medicine people, and and not just in the Blackfoot, because you always have to ask permission. You know, you always have to, no matter if you're medicine woman, shaman, you always go to your elders, you know, and the authority, and ask if it would be all right for me to give a name and I was given permission and of course there are certain rituals and ceremony that you have to go through but for me I just don't hand out names of course you know you have to be in the circle you have to you know just come to the circle learn the ways learn the medicine ways and then it just comes to me like it did with Elsa it comes in a dream I'll dream you and then all of a sudden the name will come. So usually with my apprentices, they're the, you know, the first in line and I'll be shown, you know, their names. And then we do ceremony. We'll gather, we'll have a circle similar to what was done with me. And uh, then we call the person to the center of the circle and we announce, because you always have to have witnesses, Mm. you know, that just, um, it's very powerful yes. to receive your name when you have witnesses too, you know, and just the, you know, whether it be the council, the tribe members, the community, so that they can be celebrated and also that they can be known they're carrying medicine. Mm-hmm. And so there's a respect and an honor system that goes with it. So beautiful. And so for you with your name, Eagle Woman, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is part of the uh, the guardians, the unseen realm teachers, guides that you work with, is it a proper name to say that you work with or of or are of the Eagle clan? Well, I always see the Eagle medicine as the highest, you know, even on the totem pole, the Eagle always sits the highest. And I see it in every culture religion. If you seek re- if you seek Eagle medicine, which is of the highest realm of their culture, of their religion, of their spiritual practice. You want to seek that. You want to go 
for the top. And usually what that means is that you go to someone or you seek the integrity and the honor of the medicines that they use or the practice that they do. So you go to the top, you know. And with when you come to me, as I was told by the elders, I'm the last stop. Mm. So you can go to as many healers, as many, you know, shamans, medicine people. But if you have eagle medicine, then you're the last stop. That makes <laughs> so much sense to me. After having experienced my work with you, it's just like all of these light bulbs going off because... I will just say after that session, I felt it during, I could feel what was occurring in real time, but in the few days now, since that time of working with you, I truly, in the most landed of ways, am a wholly newly liberated person. And you know, there's some details of this session that I don't know are, are the best to get into, but I was really hitting up against some very challenging things in my life and working those specific things through with you closed the door on that cycle that had just been running over and over for so many years. And really, I was, you know, allowing it to cause so much anguish, so much pain in my heart. And it closed, it sealed off with honor and deep gratitude that cycle. And it stopped. You were, you were my last stop on that cycle. I don't mess around. I get right to it. You really do. <laughs> because it's just more like a quickening, you know? Let's just see it. I see it. Let's uproot it. Let's transform it. Let's heal it. Let's do what's necessary. And then let's move forward in the circle. Mm -hmm. Let's keep moving forward in the circle rather than keep dragging it and dragging it. Let's just quicken it. Just do it. And that's eagle medicine is taking you up high and to be able to see it from a higher perspective to see it. And then from there, it's the eagle vision. You just, you know, those laser eyes that pierces right through any dysfunction, disease, whatever it may be. Let's just get it and move it through. So that's to describe, you know, eagle medicine ways. And there is a council that I work with, and it's a spirit council that came to me long, long ago. And they're very ancient ancestors, but they're ancient uh, medicine people. And I do see them, they come to me, they guide me. And so when the portal opens up, I'm responsible for that portal opening up. And when it does, then I can hold the, you know, the, the bridge steady upon their arrival and to hold it strong here on the earth plane. I feel like what with me, I can honestly say that I'm a very responsible shaman, very responsible medicine woman, because, you know, you can call yourself healer, shaman, medicine person, but it's the degree of integrity and honor that you hold within yourself to be able to emanate and to hold it for somebody else. So it's a great responsibility. And I remember when my mother found out that I carry medicine, she cried. 
I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I have this as next, of course. <laughs> I was very curious about, yes, the, the reactions to your family. So please share more. Well, my uncle, my uncle Domingo is my, I used to call him grandpa because I, we lost our grandparents very young. Actually, I didn't know them. They passed before we met him in the physical plane. But my uncle Domingo, he's the eldest of my mother's family. And he would take me up to the ranch and teach me about plant medicine and to teach me how to respect and te- so that I can show others how to respect, you know, the land and, and the foods in the land, the plants. And he would watch me as I was growing up. He'd watch me and I'd ask him questions. He'd teach me how to read an eagle feather. He'd teach me how, you know, when I saw something, he would interpret it. If I had a dream, he would interpret it. So I was always calling upon him. So when he found out I received my name, I called him. I was so excited. I was so excited. And he said, of course, you're the one who's going to carry the traditional ways of this family. And so when my mother spoke to him, she started crying and crying. She said, no, no, I don't want her to. And he said, she doesn't have a choice. This is what she's been called to do. And she said, please, can you do something? Can you petition for it not to happen for her? He said, no, this is her calling. This is what she's going to do. And uh, my Uncle Domingo, he was actually brought up on the Mescalera reservation with my grandmother. And so he was very young. Of course, he was little, but he learned the Cherokee language. And so he would speak to me in Cherokee tongue, and he'd t- share with me certain words. And, and so it was all so fascinating to me. But you know, it's funny because, yes, I do carry, you know, and I always knew it when I was very little before anyone even told me. I knew that I carried, you know, Native American, just my heritage. I knew that I was, but then finally when it was shown to me more and more, it was like, oh my goodness, you know, you just have a knowing yes. before anyone could even share it with you. But getting back to my mom, she was just like, cried for many days. And her nervousness was mainly coming from what part? She knew that the responsibility that I have, that I was given, that I would be for many people and that she knew that I would be on the front line and that I would be responsible for the souls that came to see me. And it's nothing to fool around with when, you know, you're carrying this medicine. You really are responsible for many lives. So I can't drop you. You know, I have to be, my body has to be pristine. Mm -hmm. My mind, my thoughts, my words, everything has to be impeccable. And that's what I teach. You know, people come to me and they say, how can I be a medicine person? How can I be a shaman or medicine? I said, well, most of the time you're gifted, you know, it comes through and you're gifted and then it's seen by an elder who you are. But you can be taught to be a shaman, yes, and you can carry that. But it's about carrying it with integrity and honor and responsibility because you could hurt a person. Like imagine me working on you and I came in the night before and I was just had one too many cocktails and then I show up for you and I still reek of alcohol, what kind of shaman medicine woman would I be? And then I'm putting that energy on you. No. 
So that's what happened when I turned 32. It was like everything changed. My whole life changed to become this medicine person. I can still have fun and, and dance and sing and celebrate, but you have to have utmost walk of integrity when you have medicine. Absolutely. And you know that I wholeheartedly agree with you. <laughs> I know you do. And yes. we chatted about that pretty in depth. And I'm just so glad to hear you sharing about it so the listeners can hear from someone other than me <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the only other thing I'll share is that especially, I mean, always, always, always what you said, but especially now just with the great awakening that's happening yes. and so many people having their own spiritual awakenings, the discernment of who they decide to work with and have facilitate healing sessions with is just of utmost importance. And so I'm glad that you gave them some things to be mindful of and to look out for when they're deciding a shaman yes. or a healer to work with. Yeah, it's really, you know, and, it, and it's really important to way that you hold yourself, you know, the way that you, you live your life, because everything, we're interconnected, especially when you're working that with somebody's soul. Yes. You know, they, I am the doctor of the soul. So if I'm doctoring your soul, you want to make sure that you've come to the highest order of a person that has high integrity and honor. So this is what my mother, she thought, well, she's not going to have a life anymore. You know, she's going to be like a, a monk or, you know, somebody who's going to go live in a monastery because she's going to have to be, you know, always protected, always taken care of. So my husband, he's such a warrior. You know, he's a warrior shaman. You know, he's just very, we really connect and work together well. You know, he does his work in, in a different way, but he truly is also shaman energy and such a wise man. So we really meshed, you know, we came together and he understands the role and the position I'm in and how I serve the community and, you know, what I'm supposed to do here for all those that enter my path. So he respects it and he understands it. But what I love about him, he holds a sacred space for me. He protects me. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a real strong protector of me, the medicine. And he does take it personal, you know, when I get some hits that come in. You know, he feels like it's been, he's the one who's been hit, you know. Mm -hmm. So he's very passionate about what I do. And I'm passionate about what he does. And so we work well together. That's so beautiful. I can definitely relate. And yes, you yes, I met met Luke, my fiance, and there is just something indescribable about having a partner and being in a sacred union like that, where your gifts and your light are so fully seen and valued and honored, and your partner just wants to do all they can to hold a safe, a safe space so that you can continue to just grow and shine as bright as you possibly can. It's incredible. Right. That's true. <laughs> and so with the session, I would love if you could explain a little bit, because I'm sure at this point, the listeners are very intrigued and probably looking up your website and wondering how <laughs> they can work with you. I think first, if you could just share a little bit about how the session works, and then maybe I'll, I'll share a little bit about my time with you, because wasn't another name that some people have for you, the soul electrician? Yeah, the spiritual electrician. Spiritual electrician. <laughs> and that really resonated as you started to do the work. 
work. So if you can just share a couple of aspects about what someone uh, will experience when they come have a one-on-one session with you. Well, I'm a seer, so I have a, I can see beyond the physical and I can see soul grids. So I have this gift and it, it came to me very young to where I would stare out into space, it seems. And my mother would say, what are you doing? What are you staring at? And I said, can't you see what I'm seeing? And she'd say, what are you seeing? I said, I'm seeing like this. There's a lot of weaving and wiring and all this. There's a lot happening. And she said, really? And she said, well, does it look like geography? Does it look, what does it look? I said, yeah, something like that. But it looks like, you know, a constellation of movement. And I'm looking at my mother and I said, and as you're talking and even as you're moving slightly, I can see the grid moving with you. Mm. And she said, oh, that's really fascinating. So I would look at people, but I'd look beyond them and I'd look at their soul grids. And when I look into the soul grid, I can see the past, present, future all intertwined, mostly the past, because that's really hits people. They hold on to anything of the past. They'll hold the references of the past stronger. And then they tap into the future because they're nervous. They want to know what's going on. So I see everything coming together, but I see what is disconnected. Mm. Like if something's not turned on, you know, the light. That's why they call me a spiritual electrician, because it looks like the wiring is defaulted. You know, mm-hmm. there's defaulted wiring. So it's about, okay, integrating it back. But fascinating, because while I'm looking at it, the work is being done. So it really is you have eagle eyes, and you're just doing it and looking at it. And then I'm speaking to you, and I'm showing you, I'm telling you, this is what I see. This is what is coming through free from judgment and criticism, because whatever I see is going to be healed, transform. So it's not like you're going to a therapist where you're going to have a conversation. And of course, they help you so much, but I'm also healing you. Yes. I'm working in your subtle bodies, your nervous system, your emotional body. I'm working on those subtle bodies. And there's movement as you experienced as I'm showing and seeing and speaking to it, then it starts to move, it starts to shift. Because as the grandmothers share, everything always happens first in the invisible realm. Even dis-ease happens before it hits the material body, before it hits your body, your physical body, it's already happening somewhere in your soul grid. So to me, it was fascinating to be able to see things that looked you know, dark or that didn't look like it should be in the right. It wasn't flowing. Right. It's not flowing. So I go in and I integrate the light and I call it the light of understanding because the soul just wants to be seen, to be purified, to be understood, to be heard. You know, the soul is a very powerful entity. It's very powerful. And that's what we should address first. Yes. Is the soul. (laughs) Absolutely. Heal the soul. You heal your mind, body, spirit. Amen to that. (laughs) And it was so beautiful for me to be seen in this way by you, you know, just to enter in, just fully surrendered and open completely and to just 
allow you with your gifts and power to go in and do whatever needed to be done. And there was just, it was very liberated. I think specifically to be working in that capacity with a Native American woman, there was just some other very thick medicine occurring for me and that to be seen by you as a Native American woman looking at my soul and seeing me on that level actually brings up a lot of emotions just saying it. It was just very meaningful for me to be met by you and honored by you and seen by you and to know that an embodied spiritual master like you knows my purity. Mm -hmm. It's true. When I looked at you and when I, you know, did my work through you, I could see that you are very honorable. You're a very honorable woman and you deserve to be called a shaman. And I don't say that to just anyone because I can see, you know, what the intentions are of a person. I can see what their motives are, whether you're Native American, whether you're any other nationality. It's when you carry the integrity and honor, and you are very honorable for the Native American culture people, medicine people, so you really earn that right. And as I said, when I saw you, you feel Native to me, American. You feel Indigenous. And, you know, you carry, when you feel Indigenous, when I see you, yes, it could be from a past life that you've done this before, and you came in, in this incarnation, the way and, and your nationality, whatever it may be. But when you look at the soul, the soul, it's undenying who the person is. And believe you me, I've seen many souls, and I've seen many darkness, many dark souls. I've seen insincere, deceptive souls. I've seen it all. So I know, you know, I feel that I've earned that right to have the authority to be able to announce who that person is and and who and how authentic cuz i can see the authenticity and how that person holds the medicine ways and you have such reverence for our first nation people so thank you oh oof <laughs> thank you thank so you so much so much and um, i know my elders would agree and uh, some of them presented in that session time, I know, and along with, you know, some other guides. And yeah, I just thank you again for being who you are and transcending whatever it was that you needed to heal and work through and transcend to get to the place that you're at. Because I can just see in so many different layers and capacities Um the way in which your embodiment heals so many different things and people and places and just, again, in so many different layers, it's hard for me to articulate, but the medicine that is emitted and transmitted from you goes far and wide and deep and high and you do a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank this you. world. So very it, appreciated. Well, I appreciate that you can see that in it. It's sometimes when you try, try to share it with somebody, it's like they, they don't understand it. But I always say, come and experience the work. Come and experience me. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I very much invite anyone who is resonating to um, definitely go to your website. And we'll, of course, have all that information in the show notes. And so something else that I've been curious of, you're now at the place, you know, you just expressed how you see me and, and know me. But earlier on in your path, when you would see non-Indigenous shamans calling themselves shamans and doing the work, was there ever a time in your life where that was hard for you to accept or understand? Did you have to do any healing work around that piece at all? Or did you always just have that knowing and understanding that this is a soul level calling and soul level work? And as long as they're doing it with the integrity and reverence, then all is well. Mm-hmm. I've seen many different you know, healers so-called, you know, they call themselves healers or shamans or medicine people. But again, you just need to experience the person. You may call yourself whatever you call yourself, but you really just have to experience their work free from judgment, criticism, and go in there with an open heart. And I have done that. And there are some that are very profound, you know, healers. And then there are some that have a mask over their face, or they have a mask over who they are. But I can see that too. And that could be dangerous for people that they're put in their pathway, they're put in their hands. You know, I think about people that administrate um, ayahuasca. Yes. You know, there's these shamans that they administrate this ayahuasca. And to me, I feel that if you don't respect the plant medicine, it'll turn on you. And so, you know, in the I've been to all around the world, and I've sat in the council of so many medicine people all around the world. My husband and I have traveled, and I have to say, there's some the indigenous. I love it. The Aboriginals. I love, uh, you know, their ceremonies. I love the way they they work. And you know, in Peru, I love the way they work. But even in Peru, there are some that aren't true, authentic you know, or they have their intentions aren't as pure. And they're distributing, you know, the ayahuasca. And, you know, there came a time, I remember we were in London and I was doing the work there. And I remember I had this woman come to me and she had gone on an ayahuasca trip. And I said, well, what was your intentions? Why would you do it? She said, well, I just wanted to see, you know, I'd heard about it, so I wanted to experience it. She said, but I haven't been the same. I feel lost. I feel depressed. I'm just nervous. So I laid her down and I looked into to see who she, what was going on. Her soul had departed. Wow. There was no soul. Wow. She was just operating on pure ego, you know. I thought this is something to see this because she took herself so out there and the soul wasn't connected. Mm. So I recapitulated her soul, brought the soul home. And when I did, I said, promise that you're never going to do this again. Because first of all, it's like a drug. You know, you're using it like a drug to escape. And the shaman, the person that administrated this to you, where were they when you were hallucinating, when you were having a bad trip? I mean, where were they? And she said, well, th- he saw that I was throwing up, and then he left the room. I said, oh, my God, why would he leave you? 
Well, I don't know, but I was so scared. And he left other people too. And I said, oh my goodness, don't ever do that again, please. So when I worked with her, brought her soul back, then all of a sudden the next day I had a line around my office. <laughs> there was a line around, you know, the street. And I looked out and she brought her all the people that had taken um, ayahuasca. You had to help recover yeah. all of their souls. Wow. She said, can you help bring their souls back? Wow. So I did. But, you know, it's dangerous it when is. it's not, you know, there's so much to it. First of all, First Nation people, there's a lot that do not agree with using these plant medicines. You know, they don't. Marijuana, another. That, you know, they think that just because it's from the ground or it's a plant medicine that it's, it's, sac it's holy to them. Not when they use it as an escape or they use it as a drug. You know, First Nation, there's so many that aren't on board with it. They don't, you know, are you kidding me? Because on the reservations, the children from an early age starts to use drugs and alcohol and the teenagers. So they would see it as another drug. So they are very much, you know, the people, the First Nation people I know aren't in agreement to use it. So, you know, sometimes I think it's like a fad or it's like something that people want to try out just to see, but it's so dangerous. I definitely agree and always advise people that it's a true calling. You know, if, if I, I was on my path as a shaman for many, many, many years and had my gifts awakened just through my connection to great spirit and great mother earth. And that was it. Um, yes. And I wasn't sure that plant medicines would call to me ever. Eventually, a couple of them did. Uh, the one that has uh, resonated with me the most is grandfather medicine peyote. And so I have sat in some very sacred, sacred mm -hmm. facilitated ceremonies um, in desert lands and mm -hmm. teepees. And I'm very mindful mm -hmm. uh, in the way I, you know, work with it, incredibly mindful. But I only, only sit in those ceremonies when they, the medicine calls to me, when the spirit of the medicine calls to me. And you do have to be very discerning and, and who you work with. When you're working in that way, you know, the medicine person takes you through an extensive preparation to administer any kind of plant medicine. It's not like, okay, let's, you know, a weekend thing to do. Come up to my house in Malibu and we're going to put you on this, give you this plant medicine and then send you on your way. That's not how it works with indigenous people. They're with you. They, they put themselves, you know, in the front line for you, you know, and that's responsible. That's a responsible medicine person is when, you know, they value your life so much, so precious that they're with you constantly and making sure that you're going to be, you know, you're going to be taken care of. And so it's not just a weekend thing that people, most people I notice, you know, they want to just go out there and try it out and you can do it. You can take yourself, like you said, with your breath, you can take yourself by just the connection you have with source. It's like, you don't need to take any, you know, medicines this way because it's not, it turns bad anyway. It's with the intentions of what you're doing it for. Yes. It turns bad. I don't need to take give you any plant medicine in order to take you 
on a spiritual journey. No, you did not. (laughs) You definitely did not. And so I would love to touch on a couple more of Native traditions that you specifically work with. And these, you know, wearing a shawl Mm. is one of them. So please explain a little (laughs) bit of that. Well, I was taught at a very early age, the respect. You know, it's always about respecting the traditions. And with First Nation, you know, you always respect your elders, because they're wise, and you sit at their council, you sit before them, you wear your shawl, you make sure you wear your, especially with women, or if you dance in ceremony, you're always covered, you cover yourself, and you know, you're just very respectful in that way, it shows respect, it shows that I'm here, I honor you, I respect you, and it's important. And I take it, of course, further to wear skirts, you know, when you're dancing at powwows or when you're working with medicines, you know, just wear your skirt. Even when I go into a sweat, you know, I wear my skirt, I wear my shawl, and it can get very hot in there, as you know. But you still, there's an, you know, again, it all starts with honor, respect, integrity when you're working in medicine ways. And that's that's the formula. You've got that, then you're good to go. Because if you come before an elder medicine person and you're not respecting the ways, they'll ask you to leave. Mm -hmm. They'll say, leave. So, you know, you learn that. I learned it from a very young age, you know, whether it be from my uncle, from my ancestors, from my relatives, from, you know, the people that I come in contact that are elders from other nations. Mm-hmm. You, know, you always want to learn their traditions so that you can respect them right away. Absolutely. So as this is called Ceremony Circle, I would love to hear from you. Of course, I, I know that there are a lot of ceremonies that should just be kept in sacred space and not shared publicly. But if there's any ceremony that you either participated in or facilitated and guided that for just whatever reason, is extra memorable, any sort of ceremony story that you feel compelled to share about that just brings back joy to your heart or was extra transformational? Well, the first, of course, is receiving my name. Yes. And to be, you know, when you just receive your name that way and you're dancing in the circle, you can really feel the ancestors of long ago dancing with you. And just that experience. And I've had some very profound, phenomenal experiences with the spirit world and visitations. And sitting with our elder, Willie Big Bull, he takes us, he would come, we have a a dojo, and there are students of ours in the martial arts that were interested in ceremony. So he would sit and we do the pipe ceremony and he'd teach us. He'd take us through teachings. He'd take the students through a teaching. And, you know, pretty profound. And then when I was given permission to do the dance circles, I remember going to the grandmothers and grandfathers, and I asked, do I have permission to bring this dance to the public, take it, you know, to Los Angeles and do it? And they said, yes, but always remember your foundation is tradition. So you would honor the four directions. Mm. You would honor the medicine ways, offer up tobacco, do the traditional ceremony. And then you can go ahead and do the shamanic 
So the culmination, because I brought the dance, I had a vision of this dance called Dance of the Ego Death. Oh, Dance of the Ego Death. That sounds powerful. <laughs> it is powerful. <laughs> and so I remember asking it permission if I could take it. And they said, absolutely, but always do your prayers and create the sacred space and teach others how to be respectful in the sacred space. So even when you go to powwows and you notice that, you know, it's always like giving offerings of tobacco and coming into the circle and the direction that you're supposed to dance and, and just wearing your shawl and just being respectful in that way. Well, I brought that to my circles that I led, teaching the women, you know, this it's tradition to wear the skirt. No jeans, no sloppiness, no low-cut shirts, T-shirts. Wear your shawl, cover yourself. And then act like ladies, you know, and then the men, the gentlemen, you know, of course, they are very respectful in the way that their attire is to the wear and just bringing that, you know, to the community and then coming in from the east, just like you would enter into the sweat lodge and dancing around, you know, so those are the traditions that I follow and kept because it's sacred. And that's my way of honoring my ancestors and all the other ancestors who join us, mm. and the elders, the grandmothers, and grandfathers. And they smile upon me, I have to say. You know, I sure. feel their smile. I feel their energy. I feel their love. And says, and thank you for keeping these traditions going. And then, you know, we do this dance. And then I incorporate the shamanic ways. So we use the different musics. Mm. You know, some we start off with the drumming. And Nancy, who is my right hand, she has been with me for many, many years and many moons, but she's my right hand woman. She was my apprentice, but now she really is a partner in the ways of medicine. And she does carry medicine herself. And she's got such a beautiful, profound voice. Mm. So she would sing me into the circle. And just her voice is so angelic, but yet so powerful. You know, and she would walk me in the circle and people would just start crying. You know, it was just, they were so moved, spirit moved through them. And so we would do the dance around the circle and I would just invoke the prayers of great spirit, you know, connection and give thanks. And opening, while I'm doing that, I'm opening up the portal and I'm opening up the sacred space. So it's a very, there again, the responsibility for all those that come to the circle. And I do have apprentices that also, and my husband, the warrior, who also are watching and making sure that the circle is running with sacredness, mm -hmm. with integrity. And what I notice is that when you lead a circle like that, people come from their world and you have to teach them. You have to teach them how to be respectful, you know, to a culture, to tradition whatever the, the tradition may be. So you just have to hand feed them and then they catch on. And then it feels really good. Yes. When you start to remember. Yes. And, and start to remember. Exactly. It feels and then great. it's like, wow. And they just can't get enough of it. They want more. So we would have circles like every month because they just loved that walking in to a sacred space, which we created a sacred space, a safe 
sacred space for you to experience yourself, to experience the dance and dance strong, dance your prayers strong. And that's, you know, the responsibility of holding the sacred space mm -hmm. for community. But you can really feel from where they came from and when they step in, you can see the change happen. Yes, absolutely. It's amazing. There's no feeling like honoring the most ancient ways. Yes, exactly. It's my you favorite. It. There it is. <laughs> and there it is, honoring the ancient ways. And I find that communities really love to remember. Mm -hmm. As I say, forget what you know, remember what you forgot. Oh, <laughs> oh I like that one. I'm going to use that when I promote this episode. Okay. Thank you. Beautiful. So now I would love to move to a portion of the uh, interview that might be a surprise to you. So let me know how this feels. But I let my audience on social media know that I was going to be interviewing you. And I asked if they had any questions. And there were a lot of people <laughs> that wrote in with some questions. And we don't need to get to all of them. But would you be open to answering a few audience questions, shall sure. we say? Why not? Great. <laughs> okay. So this one you touched on a little bit, but perhaps there's just one other note that could allow this to be very clear for this woman. I actually know her. Her Instagram is Dula Drea. She's actually been a student of mine, beautiful soul. And she said, I would love to hear your thoughts on how to honor and work with lineages and ancestral medicine when it may not be in your bloodline. So I guess we've covered this a lot, but let's say for a specific example, I know that she has some of the cacao medicine lineages in her, but l let's say she's being called to Native American traditions and, and it's not in her bloodline. Is it just about what you've been sharing? Perhaps she uh, says a prayer to be guided or called to a circle or a gathering or a ceremony and then just answering uh, and if an invitation comes in, if she feels guided, entering into the space and then just organically letting that path open up and unfold for her? Or what do you recommend? Yes. And also to just be around, you know, seek a medicine person and ask if they can be taught by them or if they could sit at their altar, if they can sit at their council and learn from them. And most are very open, you know, for non-native, they're, they're open to share, you know, and there are some that are very protective of the medicine ways. So you have to earn that right. So you have to go into the circle and be with them for a while and, and just be a part, you know, ask, ask if you, if you can stay with them, you know, in their community for a little while and help. Mm. They love it when you offer service. Let me see what you can bring to us. What can you do? And then when, with her expertise and what she does, her profession, she can offer that up and say, I'd love to learn the ways. And here, this is what I can offer up. And so when there's a medicine person that is open to receive, you um, will be received in and they'll, you'll experience. It's all about being under their wings, you know, per se, and experience. They need to experience you. Right. And then... In turn, you get to be rewarded with their gifts. Beautiful. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. This next one I really love, and I can't wait to hear your answer. This is from Infinite Succulent. 
And she asks, I'd love guidance on returning to living more reciprocally with Mother Earth. So what are some things that she can do to be in that um, sacred reciprocity a bit more with Great Mother Earth? Well, that's a very good question. You know, growing up, and it was just always in me to speak to Mother Earth, you know, just to go outside, put my feet on Mother Earth, even, yes, talk to the trees, put your hands on the trees. My husband and I were runners, and after we run, we go to this special tree, we put our hands on the tree, well, both of us, and we say our prayers, and we give thanks. Thank you for this beauty that you are. Thank you for this shelter. Thank you for all our gifts. And we really speak, and then we offer the tobacco, which in a traditional ways we offer up the tobacco because we believe spirit can smell the tobacco to receive our prayers in. You know, there's that's just one reason why we do the offering. But it's about also what I always like to do is pick up the trash. You know, if I see something, pick up cigarette buds and do your part is picking up, you know, picking up whatever it is that's on the ground that shouldn't be there and really speaking to I remember we had a beautiful tree that was in front of us and we had heard that the gardener was going to come and cut it down because it was starting, there was some kind of rot in the um, root. So I was so upset. I was crying and crying. I remember going outside and saying, please, why do you have to? You can't. This is my tree. You know, I always go out and offer tobacco and sprinkle tobacco to it. And they said, we have to, you know, that's it's rooting everywhere and we have to take it down. And I said, you have to promise me that you're going to plant it somewhere else. Please promise me. So they wrote a note and, said, and I, <laughs> I they signed it I know, and said, we promise. <laughs> so I said, let me just do my my blessings on it first. So I went and got my eagle feather, got my sage, and I started doing ceremony. And I just started blessing the tree with tears in my eyes. And the gardeners that were there, they took their hats off and they put their heads down. And you could see they had a tear too. And I thought to myself, this is showing, you know, they know, they feel you know, the mother. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they took her and they said that they had planted her up in the mountains. So I was happy about that. <laughs> but it's just the communication of really taking care of your environment, taking care. Because, you know, Mother Earth, she's powerful. She can, she takes care of herself. You know, look at the heavy rains. The, you know, if there's something that needs to be purified, boy, she's one to purify it, isn't she? <laughs> Definitely. I love that. Okay. (laughs) So let's see. Can you touch on, this is from Happy Being Hannah. I'm feeling pulled to this question. The significance of owl medicine. It's been showing up, this, this woman's saying it's been showing up in my dreams and womb meditations. She's concerned. Is it a bad omen, a symbol of death, or how can I honor and harness this energy? Well, I can say this, that in in the Apaches, there's some, and, you know, First Nation, we believe that the owl can rep- represent transformation, you know, going from one to the next um, dimension or in the spirit realm. So, you know, you see owl medicine. Well, what we believe if you see it during the day, you know, that means that there's going to be something or, you know, somebody's going to make their transition. Mm. I remember I I went to see a little boy who had cancer. He was six years old, so I was asked to go to the house. 
So as I pulled up, I was in my prayers and they were waiting for me. And I looked up and there was an owl sitting and it was broad daylight. So when I looked at the owl and the owl was, you know, hooting and I looked and I said, okay, thank you. I know why you're here. Mm. I know you're here to escort the soul. So I went and I did my work on him, prepared him for his journey. And he was ready, the six-year-old little boy, and he knew that he was going to be making his transition. And he said to me, I'm not scared. And I said, well, I'm going to clear the path for you so that you're going to go right there. And you've got a spirit animal who's waiting to take you. And so he was really happy about that. And I think it was two days after he had left the earth plane. So owl medicine is a strong medicine. I remember, too, we had one in our circle. She was owl medicine woman. And I remember um, a friend of mine who's also a shaman, a man, uh, he said, are you sure you want to carry that medicine? Because that's pretty strong medicine to carry. It's pretty, you know, you're going to go through a lot of uh, dark nights of the soul, per se. You know, there's going to be a lot of transformations. But we don't look at it as superstition or it's bad or something like that. We just look at it as it's indication that there's, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to make your transition to the spirit world. It means that you're going to go through great change. So with her, she had said that she had seen the owl. During dream and also during womb meditations, which yeah. is interesting. So what that would mean, the interpretation I get is that the owl is there to take away, to transmute anything that she's been she's been harboring for quite a while and just to rebirth something new. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. We'll just do two more. There's so many, but um, and they're all actually very good. So thank you to all of you listeners who contributed your questions. But Dr. Hope DC asks, I'm curious about the concept of shamanic initiation. Mm. <laughs> You know, that term does get used a lot. And of course, there are all sorts of different ways to go through a shamanic initiation. But what comes up for you? Well, most people think that they have to go through some sort of hallucinogenic, you know, like a, or a plant medicine to be initiated into a shaman. It's not true. You know, you don't need to go there. It, it, you really just need to, let's say, fast, you know, be taken up to the mountains or, you know, fast and um, drinking water and then showing that you're worthy to carry this power. That's really what's important is that a medicine person myself to be able to say, okay, you're strong enough to carry this degree of medicine. So you'll be initiated into your shamanic, you know, medicine. But it's really about if, if they were under me, it would be watching them. It would be watching them with discernment. It would be working on them, doctoring them, realigning them, adjusting them, and asking, you know, how their livelihood, what do you do during the day? How, what do you eat? What do you drink? What is it? Because to hold the medicine, you know, you have to, there are some sacrifices that you have to take, not just some, but there's, you know, a lot if you want to go to that extent of being an eagle right. shaman. You can be coyote shaman. You can be any kind of a, a different kind of medicine. It's just the degree of what you feel you can carry as a shaman. And again, it's all about being responsible. So, Got it. That's really good. Okay, the last one. Oh, it's like a roll of the dice here. 
Um, I think I'll go with this one. It's about intuition. Uh, Striving for Zen NYC asks, I would love to know the quickest way to tap into our intuition. Can we trust the voice we hear in our head? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we have this saying, listen to the voice of your soul. That one voice. And it really is about listening to that one voice. And when you tap in through your breath work, you can do it through breath work. You can do it through yoga, meditation, and just sit still enough to just trust that one voice within, the voice of your soul. If you hear a lot of voices, then, you know, that's not truly listening to that one voice because there's only one voice that comes in that truly anchors you to your truth. And then, you know, you can just start and then you open up to be able to receive messages from the ancient ones, you know, those that you pray to. So it's um, taking that journey of, I like to use the breath, breath medicine. Yes. To get to that place. And I think we might be experiencing a little bit of your breath medicine, if I'm not incorrect. Okay, great. And I think we're about to, to get to that place that we always do at the end of every ceremony circle episode is we are then blessed to be able to immerse into the guides medicine and whatever you feel called to share, we will graciously receive. I think the last thing that I think what a lot of people would want to know before we get to the actual ceremony portion Uh, I saw on your website that you sometimes do home and space clearings. And I know that that's something that a lot of people have interest in, especially the greater people are leaning into spiritual practices, the more sensitive they can become to the energy and their environments. And they maybe don't know exactly what to do or what tools to get. So what advice do you have for people that would want to be able to start doing this practice? Well, I just heard one of the grandmothers say they can start by taking their shoes off before they enter the house. <laughs> Love that. Thank you, grandmother. The council can be very funny, but very point, you know, spot on. Uh, take your shoes off and also just keep things very clean and organized. But also you can use a smudge stick. You can use cedar. You can use certain uh, medicines to what I like to use. I have my oils, my sacred oils that I use. So what we do is we put some oil inside of a spritzer, a a spray bottle. And I like to go around the house and I like to spray it because when I feel that there's some dense energy or energy that needs to be moved. And, you know, there's certain ways of, of doing that. Or I like to put salt right at the door edge, you know, right before you walk in and just keep that where Mm. nothing negative comes in, you know, just little things like that. When we do house clearings, Nancy and I, it's very intense, the work, because I really submerge myself into the union of the property, right? the house, the people that live there. One most important thing is that when we are asked to go do a house clearing, I always start off with the land. I always ask permission. I call them the um, the guardians of the land, because they there are guardians. Absolutely. <laughs> so you always want to ask, and you want to sit with them in council first, and you want to just warm up to them and let them feel you 
of what your intentions are for the home. And then once you've established that kind of trust with the, you know, the dwellers, the guardians of the land, then you go into the house and you're in the trust of the home because everything is spirit. Everything is spirit. So when I go into the house, I really do change the grid, the soul grid of the home. And it can be very intense. We sometimes end up staying there for four to five hours wow. because it's going in to the spirit. You know, it's the spirit going into the unseen home uh, dwellings, you know, the energy of the home. So that's what I'm working with. And so, so many homes, I mean, have been around for a long oh, time. Oh, yes. So you you never know what you might, uh, you know, yeah, meet, encounter, need to tend to. Um, one, I just want to tell this one yeah. funny story. I was asked by a group of scientists, uh, the Ghostbusters, you know, they asked if I would come join them. There was a particular house they were having problems with and they wanted me to go in and see what I felt. So I was like, yeah, and they have that infer, um, what is it, infrared, you know, light, or they can detect whether there's a spirit or not. Right. So we pulled up to the house, and the owner of the house, he's sitting on the stairs, and he's puffing away at his cigarette. He's sitting there, and he says, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I can't take it. I'm so glad you're here. And I said, okay, um, we're, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. And he says, well, get to it. Get to work. So the camera crew, they, I had a camera crew there too, and they were watching. So I walk into the house, and as soon as I walked in, a plate was thrown at me. Wow. From the ethers. This plate comes flying towards me. Good thing I have quick reflexes. I got out of the way, and the cameramen are saying, we're going to turn around and go out. You know, do we really want to be here? And I said, come on, don't worry about it. It's going to be just fine. Just keep the camera, the light, so I can show you where the spirit is. So we went through the house. I followed, you know, the energy. And I went into the bedroom. And there and behold was the spirit. And it was behind the bed. And I said, point the light there. Sure enough. You know, the light just started pulsating. And I said, okay, this is where the spirit is. I'll take it from here. So I communicated. You know, I earned the, the spirit. I earned the trust. I showed him who I was and what I was there to do. No harm. I just wanted politely to escort him to a different... <laughs> I would like to kindly ask yeah. you to leave now. Right. <laughs> so good. And he was saying to me, this is my home. I'm not leaving. Mm. This is my house. I'm not leaving. And I said, well, I'm going to show you somewhere where it's even nicer than this place. And that's how I communicate with spirits that I see that are unruly. or, And so I did. I escorted him out and sealed, all the, sealed the portal so he wouldn't come back. Mm -hmm. And everything was fine. The owner said that from that day on, the house was peaceful, serene. He could sleep at night. Mm. Everything was nice. Incredible. So that was just one experience. I've I'm had sure. many. <laughs> We've had many on our, <laughs> it's really, you know, it's, it's something that I'll write about, you know, just the different in, encounters with so many different types of spirits. You I'm know? sure. There are some really good ones, but there are some really dark ones too. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a special kind of person to, <laughs> to stay in your power and to stay calm and yes. just trusting your own abilities and mm -hmm. trusting you're going to find your way with it. So I love that story. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> 
Okay, so does now feel like a good time yes. to do a ceremonial offering? Should we move Cookie? Oh, well, Cookie loves to be here. Look at that. She Jesus. really does. Is oh, that okay if I she's that close too. to you yes. for this? Okay. And so, yeah, just um, whatever you need to let the listeners okay. know to do. Okay, so what I'm going to ask is that you sit up nice and tall and just visualize that you are sitting up nice and tall with your shoulders back and three fingers below the belly button is where your sakim, your life force, energy, your power resides, three fingers below. And as you take a breath, I want you to just visualize that you're sweeping through every cell of your beingness, every organ of your beingness, the bloodstream, everything. It's just being moved and circulated all the way up, up, up. And as you exhale it out, you're connecting up to this infinite white circle of light. I call it the creator-creation connector. And in this place is where you're connected up to source, creator. And then you're drawing from this infinite well that interweaves right back inside of you. It's filling you up. So you're being filled up by, I call creator's juice. And so the juice, the life force comes through you because you're connected up with this infinite white circle of light. So you're really being fed. And when you do this, as the grandmothers say, it's so important to be connected up to source, to creator, to maker always on a daily basis before you jump out of bed sit quietly and reconnect up to this infinite white circle of light of creators this life force and then you'll be filled up to experience the day filled with so much life force so much light love and your energy will be strong and there, your intuition will be strong as well. So always use this breath medicine. And then another way of connecting to answer one of the, the questions that was asked about how to get stronger in my intuition. This is what we call the breath medicine, the eagle breath medicine. So it's a four breath count. And so what you want to do is you want to take, like as if you were sipping through a straw, and so the four breath is and sustain and then exhale it out. I do it four times. And in this way, when you bring the breath medicine from three fingers below your belly button and then the sweeping breath again, it purifies you. It connects you stronger to source, to creator. So let's try it again. Let's do this once again four times. And sustain. And see that you're expanding your wings. That you're expanding, you're expanding. The back of your heart opens up. Sustain. And exhale it out. And let's do it once We'll do it two more times. Take a deep breath in. With the breath medicine, it's four counts. Sustain right at the back of your heart. Roll your eyes up to your third eye. 
And as if you're exhaling out of your third eye. Good. And let's do this last breath medicine, the eagle's breath medicine, to connect up even stronger from your crown chakra all the way down to your root and back up. So with the four breath count, sustain at the back of your heart. It always starts and begins right at the back of your heart and see it as your wings expand, expand, expand. And this time when you exhale, really see that you're exhaling out through your crown chakra. And so it is. Aho. And so it is. Aho. This is a really strong practice to do daily. You can, oh, look I at you. I love it. That crown one really <laughs> got me feeling good. Oh, you're so lit up. Look at you. It really does light you up. And it also is really good to help your immune system and your nervous system. Mm. Like if you start to feel panicky or something, you do this four breath count. It works. I love it. Thank you so much for so <laughs> generously honor. sharing that with everyone. And to close, you know, I, I would love if you can point listeners into a direction, if they're feeling called to give back to Native Americans, to do some sacred reciprocity of any kind, if, if there are any organizations or nonprofits that you know of or work with or any ways at all that you would recommend, if, if people just want to do something to thank First Nations, what can yes. they do? Well, I'm very involved with, in the Blackfoot community, it's children and women of abuse. And so we'll make sure to put it out on the website so that you can, if anyone would like to give charitably, because it's housing for the women and children that have been abused. And even men, you know, it's just all abuse. Because to help them, you know, to establish a strong foundation again. And so, and also to help those that are involved with drugs and alcohol. So I'm very passionate about giving back. And there is a Navajo um, Nation um, council that I work with as well. And so we'll make sure to put that out of where they can you know, give offerings. Beautiful. That, that would be a big help. Yeah, thank that you. feels really good, of course. Yes, yes. Thank you. Definitely. You're very welcome. Well, I have to say this just, wow. Thank you so much for coming on Ceremony Circle. Mm, it's true, my honor. True honor to have <laughs> you. And I'm so happy to now have you as soul family and to know you and to have experienced your work and to be able to share. Cookie's very excited as well. She's been here for those of you listening. She's on the couch with us. And I'm just so grateful to now know you and uh, to have you in my life. So thank, thank you, you for all that you do. Like I said, I'll be sure to put all of your information in the show notes so that those um, who feel called to reach out to you can find you on your website and your social media any last words that you have to close this ceremony circle? Well, it was once asked to me why I wear red lipstick. And I have to say, one of the grandmothers uh, that I came before, she said to me, 
wear red lipstick all the time. That's going to be one day your trademark because when people see your red lips, they see that you give them hope, you give them a smile. And so no matter what, put on the red lips to give out that beautiful smile so that you can help others feel beautiful mm. and it reflects on them. So women, wear that red lipstick. Get that red <laughs> lipstick out. That's one of my favorite shades. I have one. Mine's a bit of a red orange. It has uh -huh. a little bit of orange tint, but it's one of my favorites to wear. So I will be sure to get it back out. And as soon as we can take the masks off, it'll be even me, even more rewarding. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, blessings to everyone Thank listening. Yes. Thank you for going on this incredibly healing, medicinal, loving ride that we just took. And thank you for guiding this voyage for us. Eagle Woman, thank you so much. It's my honor. And I thank you for calling upon us to come forth here in your beautiful sacred circle. And thank you for holding the integrity and honor in the sacred circle for us. Aho. Aho. Woo, what a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you please go to my website where all the show notes are listed so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful, ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.